Welcome to episode 293 of the Rugby League Republic podcast with your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. In this episode, we review week two of the Pacific Championships and much, much more. Join us as we build the Rugby League community for all. The Rugby League Republic podcast starts right now. Episode. Welcome to episode 293 of the Rugby League Republic podcast, where we aim to bring you the everyday fans' perspective on the greatest game of all, Rugby League. This is Rugby League for the people. Joining me is Tish, and I am your host, Dr. T, I should say. Joining me is Tish. Tish, how have you been this week? Uh, look, uh, Dr. T, I've been good. I mean, the weather has been quite warm in Sydney, um, and I think the Rugby League has been good. You know, a couple of interesting results, uh, a couple of close games, a couple of not-so-close games, but I think... All in all, good to see International Rugby League uh, on in the, uh, you know, the time of the year where people have forgotten about Rugby League, but uh, we haven't forgotten. And, uh, you know, this is the this is the rusted, rusted on fans paradise, I say. So uh, bring it on. How about yourself? That's right. The international season is like fan service. You know, when you, right. when you watch a movie or something, it's got all these references for all the geeks out there, you know. It's it's like it's a bit like that. It's like oh, thanks guys, you made us sit through another Penrith Panthers NRL victory just so we can watch <laughs> what we really want to watch, which is the best players in the world for their countries playing, uh, you know, playing their hearts out, you know, doing the various harkers and things and crying, you know, passion, mm. passion of international league, and and more importantly to me, international league is synonymous with, especially lately synonymous with yep. upsets and you know you can never really like you can predict some games usually but but most of the time it's just like what am i going to see today i don't really know and i think that's certainly what came across in some of the games last weekend which uh we're going to review uh yep. in, uh, in this podcast Tish, how are you are you enjoying international league oh look i i am i am and look something that i probably haven't shared well i'm trying to think about this as well right Crying when you're singing your anthem, right? Like, it takes a lot to cry to a song, doesn't it? Right? It really has to mean a lot. Like, I'm trying to think back on a situation in my own life where I, where I cried singing a song. Um, I think I think a lot of people have cried hearing me sing a song, but um, in terms of actually having that much emotion and that much, uh, you know, that much uh, sort of pouring out on you... Uh, you know, I, I think it kind of shows what it means, right? But have you been in that situation, Dr. T, where the, where the emotions have overwhelmed you when, when you're singing your anthem or, or a really uh, important song that you just, you're just you just so overwhelmed? Look, Tish, I'm known to uh, get a bit teary-eyed when I sing Hot Potato, Hot Potato. And uh, <laughs> really anything by the Wiggles just makes me tear up a mm. little bit. Um you know, I'm, I'm I'm partial to the old fruit salad. I'm lucky it's fruit salad and not actual salad because I feel like I'm being cutting some onions and uh, crying yeah. uh, when I'm singing that. Yeah. No, look, yeah. Look, uh, that aside, um, yeah. No, I I think it's in in a in a sports 
kind of setting, we see we're seeing a lot more of, especially men, sort of showing their emotions and crying and singing their heart yeah. out. Um, unfortunately, what you often see, especially in like rugby union, some of these games is usually the teams that get most passionate and emotional uh, yeah. before the game has kicked off. Uh, yeah. Usually get trounced during the game. They put all their effort into the the pre-game uh, activities and not into the game mm. itself. That's what it feels yeah. like sometimes. But yeah, yeah, no, no. I definitely feel. And we when we go through some of the games, I, th- I think you'll probably that that could be something that 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 might have to be looked at or factored in. But I mean, like, it's also not just the song itself. It also what the song represents. The you know the family and you know you probably had somebody that was very close to you who was very. Uh, proud of that culture and that therefore sort of singing it, um, you know, perhaps it's also a culmination of your career, right? So it's, you know, it's not just, I suppose we're not just watching a sporting event. We're actually sporting, we're actually watching like almost like, you know, um, the Academy Awards. Like, yeah, it's like you're being awarded a, to represent your country because of of the of the the stature that you've got yourself into. So, yeah, but 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 that's the great thing about, international rugby league right just how much emotion how much it means to you and it's 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 almost like getting back to the purest form of of sport where you know you're representing uh you know a concept as as opposed to just being a professional right um so but yeah look uh yeah as you can tell dr t i've been thinking about these internationals a lot and uh, I, i have been enjoying it you know, it's not NRL, but it's 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 still quite high quality. So yeah, but uh, shall, we, shall we kick on? Absolutely. Well, we are going to talk about what happened last week in the international world of rugby league. So tackle number one, we're going to review the Pacific week two of the Pacific Championships and also the England and Tonga Test match. Here we go. Quick run through of the results in the men's. We saw New Zealand flogging Samoa 50 0. We saw Fiji just edge out a surprisingly good Cook Islands 22 to 18. In the women, the Kiwi Ferns 28, the Tongans 10, and PNG Orchids 28, and Cook Islands Moana 20. And in the international test match over in the Northern Hemisphere, England just edged out Tonga 22-18, to which will set up a pretty interesting three-match test series. Um, let's launch into the first one. So New Zealand versus Samoa, 50-0. It was 18-0 at halftime, and it was just, look, I don't know what to say. Samoa, look, they're very obviously a very young team, a completely different team, I think, from the one that we saw in uh, the World Cup final last year. But look, nine tries to nil. Uh, Jermaine Izarko scored two tries. Uh, Jerome Hughes scored a try. Uh, Nelson Asafa Solomona scored a try. Ronaldo Molitalo, two tries. Isaiah Papali'i, Brighton Nicora, and James Fisher-Harris. And Izarko scored uh, seven out of nine Um conversions so you know it could have been more it could have been 54 nil if he had actually kicked all these goals um 23,000 at eden park auckland so it was very much a home ground advantage there for the kiwis um in terms of the stats i mean you know 
possession. It was all about possession. The Kiwis dominated possession. They were much better in terms of their completion rate. Samoa was at an appalling 60% versus 72% for the Kiwis. Um, you know, pretty much all the stats that you could look up shows uh, dominance of the Kiwis, is, which is what you'd expect with a 50-0 scoreline. Um, but dummy passes. Dummy <laughs> passes is my is my test. 37 to 1 in favour of the Kiwis. My theory stands <laughs> for this week anyway. Um, look, it, w- what can you say? I mean, look, it was... Yeah, one way to look at it, it was it was only 18-0 at halftime. It was eminently achievable for Samoa to come back. They just really have nothing in attack. They really need, you know, Crichton is one of the best centres in the NRL, so of course he plays 5A in the international arena. Um, makes no sense. I think you're you're trying to fill a gap by, you know, what what is that thing that Phil Gould used to say? You don't weaken your strength by strengthening your weaknesses which means mm. if you've got a Crichton that's one of the best, um, you know, centres in the NRL, but you have you have no creativity in your halves or you've got young halves or or you just have a gap there, you don't necessarily pull him out of your centres to, to put him in there if, you know, if you don't have any other options. I mean, clearly, you, you know, they, they feel like they have no other options, but um, I think that was a bad move. I think you need Crichton where he, where he needs to be. You can still be creative out in the centres, but... You know, I think I think what we've realised, especially in State of Origin and some of the internationals this year, is the centres are actually really important in defence more than anything. I think a lot of people think, you know, I think that there's a, the lost art of the centre is what we've seen here with Crichton moving away from the centres. Um, his defence is as good, if not better, than his attack uh, and and that value that he adds to the team. So I think I think what we saw here is an example of. Yeah, uh, Samoa, look, it's a young team. They're still looking to find their feet. There's quite a few of the players that weren't there before uh, in the World Cup final last year are not there now. And, you know, Luai being the main one, injured. Um, you know, you take those players out of this team and, you know, look, look uh, Luai's value to this team is immense. You only have to look at what happened last year in the World Cup when they got trounced in the first week and then against England and then came back, improved game upon game until they caused one of the biggest upsets in the World Cup history to make the final over England. And, uh, you know, this is not really the same team. So, look, they had a bit of a hit out. Some of the youngsters had a go, but I think it's been a disappointing series for Samoa. Um, They're not going to make the final, obviously. Next week is going to be the Kiwis and Australia. To see who makes the final of the of the the plate or the cup or whatever it is, and uh, it's pretty obvious it's going to be the Kiwis in Australia. So, I think um, I think it's fair to say that yeah, uh, Samoa a disappointing end unfortunately to their campaign. But you know there is a lot to look forward to in terms of some of the youngsters that, that had a bit of a go, and certainly in last week's game showed a bit of promise. What about you, Tish? Yeah, look, I think it was, this is a very uh, important game for New Zealand. Um, you know, last year, the World Cup, they, uh, you know, they, they sort of uh, lost. It was a narrow defeat against Australian last year's World Cup semifinal. Um, you know, but, you know, if you look at that team on paper, you know, it's got a great combination of power, uh, you know, through the middle and then, you know, a quality, a quality spine, uh, really. Uh, you know, for, I mean, you got Kieran Foran, I think he started, 
um, at dummy half, and then um, you know, for for New Brown sort of took over in that in that position as well. But you know, um, they have like uh, Jerome Hughes and Dylan Brown are fantastic, um, and then you know, fullback, uh, you know, well, you didn't have Joseph Manu, but you could have Joseph Manu, but you know, they had um, uh, you know, uh, yeah, I just forgot his name now, but um, um, you know, but what, yeah, but like it, it is quality throughout the whole throughout the whole side, and then they were able to pull it, pull it together, and surprisingly. For New Zealand, um, this is their first game into the tournament, and they didn't seem to have like uh, the the rust. Like that, they, they, they seem to be flowing through combinations and so forth, which was kind of uh, kind of great. Um, you know, like you know, the other thing that you saw was like in terms of um, you know uh, you know Jermaine Sarko, who uh, you know sort of scored. I think it was two, maybe three tries. Um, but that was his first game for New Zealand um, since 2019. Fanu Brown actually played for Samoa in the World Cup. I think Timiko had a debut. So I think I think another thing that Michael Maguire has done is that he's put pride back into that New Zealand jersey, and it's a coveted thing to play for New Zealand again because um, you've got a lot of – you know, New Zealand in, in that situation where they've got a lot of players that can represent other countries um, based on their heritage. Um, but, you know, they've been able to sort of um, – Take a little bit of the, uh, you know, the uh, take a little bit, bit of it back by having more of these players sort of, um, you know, going going through, uh, you know, uh, sort of cho- uh, choosing to play for for the Kiwis instead of playing for uh, Samoa or Tonga or even Australia in some cases. So, you know, um, you know, Matt Timiko, I thought he was super impressive, and um, you know, he had eleven taken uh, tackle breaks on his international debut. Right, that's like a that's like a Greg Inglis esque type of debut, right? Like where you just completely, uh, you know, dominate the opposition. And, um, you know, uh, they had, uh, you know, Jerome Hughes and Dylan Brown finished with more than 250 running meters between them along uh, with nine tackle breaks. So that's your half and five eighth running for 250 meters. So that really shows you um, that they were on sync when it came to attack. Um, and, you know, the two players that don't actually play for uh, with each other week in, week out, but yet they just uh, were able to to put it together for New Zealand. For I think for Samoa, I think obviously without Jerome Luai, it is it is a big miss. And um, you know, uh, so you've got Crichton playing in uh, the five eighth position. And you know, the the interesting thing is is that Crichton is a centre and he's a great centre. I think he's really done well when he's gone to fullback. Um, and I think he's a better fullback than a five eighth. He hasn't really played 5 that much. He does have a bit of a kicking game. So I think there could be down the track uh, a situation where he does end up as a 5-8, but I think he's got a lot of work to do on not just the running game, but a bit more of the, the organizational game um, to become a 5-8. So I think the experiment didn't work. And, and look, they were probably forced to have that experiment anyway because they were, they were like, you know, a 5-8 short not having, or a half short because I think Jerome Loy would probably play Halfback and have DJ Narsi at um at uh you know at at five eighth. But you know, really, the other thing with uh, Samoa, you know, you sort of start to put the pieces together. Okay, well, if they had Jerome, why? Obviously, they've got a half. You know, to sort of take care of it. You know, Josh Schuster also plays five eighth for Manly, so you've got another half potentially that that could be in the team. Um, and then you know, Danny Levi. I'm not too sure how old he is, but he you know has played dummy half and played in the um, sort of played in the uh, you know in the halves as well 
you know, for, for, for various clubs. You know, if you start to pick these players and they come back into your team, I don't know where Milford's at in terms of age and whether he's he's going to be able to keep playing for Samoa. But all of a sudden, you actually have quite a number of combinations, and I think that's what they were really miss, missing for Samoa. And probably missing, um, I would say, a defensive strategy um, because New Zealand, they were just able to uh, exploit their weaknesses and... You know that that Samoa just couldn't couldn't close the gap when it came to defence. So, um, you know they were sort of scoring all over the place as well. So, so look back to the drawing board for Samoa. You know Ben Gardner, he's got a big job in front of him. But I think I think I think the key is they will get better if they can if they can just get their best seventeen. So they probably don't have the the, the depth that the Australian and the Kiwis have. But if they can get their best seventeen, then I think they're going to be a lot more competitive in other tournaments. All right, so moving on to the next game for the men's was on Sunday at Port Moresby's Santos National Football Stadium. It was a 22-18 win for the Fiji Bati over the Cook Islands A2, but it wasn't uh, done easily. The uh, The Cook Islands went ahead uh, early in the 18th minute, ended up uh, leading 6-4 at halftime, which uh, was a bit, you know, a bit shocking. I think I was, I was watching the game thinking, uh, I don't know how poorly, how much poor, more poorly Fiji could be playing at the moment. Yeah. They were they were shocking. They weren't really the Fiji that we know, uh, and uh, allowed really Cook Islands and Isan Masters in particular to sort of take over. At the end, it, it was four tries to three in favour of Fiji, and the try, um, the last try being the difference in the seventy fourth minute. We had tries to Sivo, Bula, Wanga, Blake, and, and the final one to Sunia Taruva uh, to break the deadlock and put them in the lead for Cook Islands, Isam Masters, Isam Ioka, and Isaiah Cooper Tedevano. Um, if you look at the stats, um, like I said, it, it, it was quite even, and I think, uh, you know, the completion rate was close, possession was pretty close. It was actually a very competitive closely fought game much more enjoyable to watch i think than watching samoa get smashed um but but i guess uh yeah the the quality i think wasn't quite there from both sides there was a lot of drop ball um there was a, a few offloads probably not more than we would expect but um yeah quite the errors were quite high i think um a lot of missed tackles 34 for fiji and 30 for cook islands um and lots of ineffective tackles as well, according to the stats. But look, yeah, to me, it was, uh, you know, even the commentators were saying, you know, this is completely unexpected, you know, to see the Cook Islands. Uh, in terms of, you know, the, the number of NRL stars that they have in their lineup, I just was wondering what's happening with Fiji. Um, it was almost, uh, look, they, they, they got the victory uh, with, from the jaws of defeat, basically, um, that last try was uh, was very a powerful statement, basically. But um, you know, I would call this if I was to sum this up, uh, Tish. It was Fiji's lucky escape. <laughs> yeah. Uh, look, I think you could definitely call that. Like you know, obviously, uh, uh, I, 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 I hail for Fiji, so I, I was kind of a bit biased in my assessment. Uh, yeah. So. Wasn't really concentrating on what the Cook Islanders are doing, but I got damn frustrated with the Fijians and their play. So um, I thought that Phil Jackson must have been in the audience 
um, because they, they seem to be playing basketball out there, right? Just, uh, you know, deliberately knocking on the ball every time they got it. It was, it was shocking how many times they dropped the ball. And, you know, the completions were, like, horrible. I think they were at, like, almost, they might have even had below 50, 50% at one stage, right, the Fijians. They, they just absolutely played terrible. And I think the Cook Islanders were very spirited. They seem to be a lot more organized in attack. I really like their offloading game, like the way they were able to offload and get a bit of speed around the play of the ball. And they just seem to be able to to do so. I was kind of impressed with with what they were able to do with what they had. Obviously, Eastern Masters, um, not really a halfback, but he kind of he kind of did show them up a lot of a lot of times. So I think he had a great game from the Cook Island point of view. So uh, yeah, quite impressed with what they were able to do. Um, but then on Fiji, you know, sometimes I don't know if 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 it's just because I'm. I felt that they were jogging half the time, right? Like I don't know if that it was the combinations, if it was the heat. They they just they. I felt like they lacked the energy, and you know, this is a, an important thing that I think a lot of these Pacific teams have got to got to try and work on a little bit is just just to get a more balanced sort of lineup. So you know, for the Fijians, right? Um, you know the players that they had. You know they had uh, they had ten players on debut, right? Uh, Jareen Buller, Kurt Donahue, Katoni Katoaga, Cyril Lavaco, Noah Navaralaka, Ka- Caleb Navale, uh, Apasolis Sakura, Penny Terigua. Uh, okay, Gordon Whippy, Watsino. Okay, now, all right. Sorry, apologising for butchering those names, but. What I was going to say is that with the, you know, apart from Jareen Bullock, Kurt Donaghy, so two of them, the rest of them I think were all in the forwards, right? Where, where you know, basically the middle, you know, the, the, the core of your team, the the core of the tackling, the core of the defensive strategy, the core of the the running meters, you know, apart from sort of the wingers hitting up the first two, two tackles. So really, you know, I think with Fiji, maybe just the way they balanced out their team uh, and who they had available for this this game, they just, they kind of, I felt like they kind of lacked their structure. And what they were relying on was pretty much a superstar backline or superstar back five, I should say. Uh, you know, Bula and Taruva, like, you know, both were sort of, you know, in contention for rookie of the year. Um, you know, you had uh, Ravalava, who, uh, you know, <laughs> he's, a, he's a great try scoring guy but also you know he could he could put a hit on right uh in defense and he came up with some absolute beauties as well um you know obviously Marcus Siva as well great runner of the ball um does not need to pass I don't know why he was trying to pass the ball forward um so so maybe there was an NFL uh scout in the audience or something like that but that was that was kind of crazy for him um, but look you know those players there they're all they're all NRL superstars right so I think I think with them, they, they just, you know, uh, having all those players uh, in just in the back, then you've got, you know, sort of inexperience in the halves and inexperience in, you know, the uh, I suppose well, even their fullback was on debut. So uh, their fullback, their dummy half, and one, and their five-eighths were all on debut. Think about that, right? So, yeah, <laughs> it's going to be wow. – they're yeah. not going to be the Fiji that we saw in the World Cup. Uh, having said that, Api Coruscant, if he could come back into the team, you know, in, in, in the future. Again, you'll also kick out. I think those are two real big losses for Fiji. Um, and, you know, I, I fear for them against PNG because I think PNG were quite impressive, actually. And I wonder how a PNG Samoa game would look like because they seem to be at the same level right now just based on the on the lineups. But, yeah. But, look, a good... 
you know, uh, yeah, an entertaining game towards the end. You know, when it, when the um, when when it seemed like both teams were like, you know, and the, and the uh, the lead was going back and forth a little bit, right? So, um, you know, it was it was a great finish to to a game riddled with errors, but you know, but but like enjoyable. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I have to say, just one thing though, it, they didn't really take the lead until that last try. I think. I believe that's what happened. Uh, yeah. Anyway, but it's it was yeah. absolutely enjoyable, and uh, yeah. Look, let's see what happens in the next next game uh, coming up, and we'll talk about that later. But let's move on to the women's games. Couple to get through here. So the Kiwi Ferns twenty eight to ten over Tonga. It was six tries to two, a hat trick to Abigail Roach, and try other tries to Amelia Pasikala and Nessa Biddle and Meli Hufanga. And for Tonga, two tries to Tiana Penetani. Um, at halftime, it was 10-6. So, again, this is another example of where the well-conditioned teams run run on with it in the second half. In this case, I think the home crowd uh, certainly did it for the Kiwi phones, as it did for the Kiwis that we spoke about earlier. They just went on with the job in the second half, and I think they grow an extra... Extra couple of feet when they, uh, I mean feet, I mean they grow, grow height in terms of height um, when when you're playing your home ground. And I think that that definitely was the case for the Kiwi men's and women's teams. Um, the tail of the stats again, possession. It was all about possession. Completion rate was roughly the same, but they, I think, Kiwi fans had a little bit more possession in the end there. Um, other other key stats that I'm looking at: uh, kick return meters. It was 148 to 45, just absolutely massive. 46 tackle breaks, plays 27. So clearly the, the Kiwi Ferns dominated in the main ones that counted, and especially the one that I love talking about, dummy passes, 24 to 3. So again, the Kiwis and the Kiwi Ferns know how to do some dummy passes. Tish, what were your thoughts on this match? Yeah, well, I think a much improved effort from Tonga. I think the last time they played each other, this, you know, the game was like like a thirty point deficit or something like that, right? So much improved. I mean, I think they have a have a great lineup, but I think New Zealand just showed their class, right? And I think uh, obviously, you know, with the likes of Racing, uh, Racing McGregor and uh, you know, Abigail Roach and their team, um, you know, I, I think the 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 lineup just should sort of showed their way. Um, you know, and then like, you know, a good sort of, uh, I think a great game also to have as a double header uh, before the men's game as well, right? Because obviously, you know, there's something for the Tongan fans to cheer off with their team being away. Um, you know, the Kiwi fans get their men's and women's games and like, you know, you also got the Samoan fans, you know, piling in, maybe supporting Tonga before the big one. So I think it was great atmosphere at, at, at um, Eden Park for this game as well. Um and yeah, I think the big focus for New Zealand is obviously how they're going to go against Australia uh, in, in sort of their second game this week. Um, but I think overall, like they did what they needed to do. I don't think they had that many um, challenges at all. I mean, um, you know, they scored uh, two tries before, uh, you know, uh, Panatani was able to, to score her first try. Um, but look, uh, I think, I think. Uh, I think what I saw from Tonga, I feel like there is potential. I just feel like there's got to be more uh, NRLW test, well, uh, so women's rugby league test matches for Tonga. Maybe not against New Zealand all the time, maybe against the likes of Fiji, Samoa, the Cook Islands, PNG. I feel like if they could get more uh, sort of games 
with sort of you know teams around their their level, um, I think it's actually going to build confidence in them enough to be able to to, to potentially challenge the Kiwi Ferns, which you know they got close to. I mean, you know, eighteen points, not that bad, three tries, and then um and then like uh, you know you put it up against um you know Australia, Australia and the uh, and the Kiwi Ferns are not that not that different, you know. So so you know maybe the women's uh, uh, rugby league. I think this game kind of showed that they're. It's a bit more closer than what the men's game is at the moment. All right. So look, the other game uh, played in Port Moresby on the Sunday. Uh, the precursor to the men's game was a PNG Orchids twenty-eight to Cook Islands uh, Moana twenty. It was twenty to ten at halftime, so the PNG Orchids got off to a great start, but. 10-8 in the second half, got them a little bit closer, Cook Islands, but not close enough. Um, tries to Roswita Carpo, S.A. Banu, Liana Allen had two tries, Leila Karoa, Latonia Norris, and for the PNG Orchids, and for Cook Islands, Chelsea Makira, uh, Mahani Rangi, Weri, Kiana Takarangi, and Chantel Holloway Samuels. Um, 20 to 10, tale of the stats. Uh, again, it's about possession and completion rate. And in this case, PNG were quite dominant over Cook Islands. Um, you know, 58% possession, uh, 83% completion for PNG, whereas Cook Islands only had 57% completion rate. So quite poor in comparison. Um, if you look at uh, some of the other stats, Line breaks, tackle breaks, very similar. So, you know, one-on-one, I think they they kind of match it. But where the difference is is really in, uh, you know, I guess the, the, the key fundamentals, which is about all-run metres, post-contact metres, that kind of thing. Um, it's just, I guess they just overall had um, much greater impact on each set of six. The average set distance was 51 to around 37. Uh, in favour of PNG, and I think that tells really the difference. Kick return metres. Now, this is a huge one. 170 versus 51. <laughs> that wow. just tells you that the kicks were not returned very well for Cook Islands. Um, so they're going to have to go back to the drawing board and see what they did wrong. Certainly, um, I think that there was they showed potential in the second half, or equally it could have been PNG sort of uh, taking their foot off the pedal a little bit, um, which is which is possible when you get out to 20 to 10 lead, although 10 points isn't really much these days in rugby league. So I think in this case, a little bit of a poorer quality match than than the previous one we just spoke about. But um, again, PNG were considered, in my view, favourites. So not surprising that they won, uh, even though it was a bit of a close game. What about your thoughts, Tish? Yeah, look, uh, um, yeah, look I, think, I think it was a spirited performance with um, you know, uh, the Cook Islands. And as you said, they they did have a bit of a, a comeback, a, a spirited comeback towards the end. Um, but I think they just had, uh, you know, they just had too much of a gap um, that they sort of let through. Uh, you know, like uh, Belinda Guanas-Guasaman had a, a try, four tackle breaks, uh, 59 uh, post-contact metres. And... Um, you know, with those type of stats, you definitely won the the player of the match performance type thing. Uh, and I think, yeah, look again, like you know, PNG definitely showing that they have a bit of talent and they have a bit of class. And I think Cook Island showing that they have, uh, you know, a lot of spirit too. So, um, you know, you can sort of see, you know, the the PNG Cook Islands 
Fiji, Tonga, Samoa. I think all of these um, women's rugby league teams, I think they're not that far apart from each other. And it'd be good to see more games uh, at this, well, you know, with these uh, players. So I believe this is the first game ever for PNG in the Pacific Championship for women. So, um, yeah, the inaugural Pacific Championship test uh, for the PNG awkward. So, you know, a bit of history there. So, uh, look, the other thing that we probably um, probably should mention is that, look, I think the PNG weather conditions, um, you know, for both games that they had were, you know, it's a bit difficult to Australia. I think the wind levels uh, are kind of uh, a bit more uh, a bit more wild in, in the P, in, in the PNG, and this game sort of was around midday, so I could certainly see a bit of a heat problem as well. So I think I think well done to all players involved in just being able to survive. Uh, this sort of thing, you know, this is. Uh, I think the next series of SAS is going to be playing a rugby league game, you know, in the middle of the day uh, at PNG because because it is it is a tough thing. So I think that they definitely showed how tough they all are. Absolutely. Speaking of tough, uh, over in the northern hemisphere, there was a tough first game in the three match test series, the first one ever between England and Tonga. And it ended up being in favour of England, 22-18. to 18. It was 12-all at halftime, four tries to three. Toby King scored a try. Mikey Lewis, two to Tom Johnston for England. And on the Tongan side, Stafford Toa, Tyson Frizzell and Talatu Kawala. Um, and if you look at, uh, look, again, it was a close, you know, 12-all at halftime. The tail of the stats actually shows... Some interesting, you know, facts and, and a bit incongruous to what you would expect. Possession actually favoured Tonga by a few minutes. Uh, they also had a better completion rate, actually, than than uh, England. So they were, you know, in that respect, they were kind of more more clinical and sticking to the, the fundamentals there. Um, but if you look at the rest of the stats, it's really, really close, which is a good sign for what we might see in the second and third test matches. Again, even though, you know, We've seen Tonga rise very recently to very high heights. Um, England is still, I think, considered, you know, a, an almost a perennial T1 nation in the world of rugby league, whereas Tonga is still kind of not quite proven itself to remain in that top echelon. Uh, so, but, you know, any this Test Match series is definitely going a long way to showing that Tonga can match it with anyone. Um, like I said, the stats are actually quite even across the board. Uh Dummy passes, 5-2 in favour of England. Again, sticking to that. Offloads, 11-5 to five in favour of England. So I think, ironically, while Tonga looked like they actually had a lot more of a clinical approach, uh, it was actually England's creativity and, and their movement of the ball um, that, that actually, uh, I think, were the reasons behind them, uh, you know, edging out over Tonga in this victory. What are your thoughts on the game, Tish? Yeah, well, look, I think I think to, wait, uh, to sum it up the best is five metres, right? Five <laughs> metres is the difference between all running metres by these two teams, right? So that goes to show you exactly how close this game was, right? It, it's a matter of five metres, right? Because usually the team with the better running metres will win. But... To, to, to show you a little bit more of a difference of, of the two teams as well, uh, post-contact uh, metres by Tonga, um, you know, is more than 50 metres, right, from post-contact metres. So it does show that, like, 
you know, the Tongans are, uh, you know, in terms of running with the ball, they're a bit harder to stop. Uh, mm. Now, they're a bit more slower on the play, play the ball, so maybe that's one area that they could sort of improve. But, you know, I think with Tonga, I've seen this in certain tournaments. I think last year in the in the World Cup, they kind of were unimpressive for the first couple of games, and then they were really able to put it on. I think it takes uh, this particular lineup just to, just to gel a bit uh, a bit longer than maybe some of the other other sort of situation, uh, you know, teams. Um, and perhaps the reason being is because, you know, if you just look at their their halves, Lola here plays in the Super League, and to be honest, is one of I think one of the top, uh, you know, halves in that competition. And Isaiah Katoa, uh, you know, his debut season for the Dolphins, he was amazing, and he was one of the reasons why the Dolphins had such a great start to the season. So they actually have a really good half and five eight combination. Will Hopawade plays in the English Super League uh, as the fullback, and then um, you know, and then so you got Sil- uh, Saliba Havili, who's like a veteran hooker in the NRL. Um, so so there you go. There, you could just tell with the spine, you got players playing in England, players playing in the NRL, and then across the team, you kind of have that sort of mix blended in in sort of most of the positions. What that means is, I think it takes the team slightly longer, maybe a game or two to get more into it. Um, so I wonder just with the fact that they're still sort of working on their combinations, uh, whether or not that they will be, you know, this run, like how good they're going to get in the next game. Um, but interestingly, I think you could say the same thing about England as well. So this is why I think this is a very fascinating series because really, um, I feel like the next game, I think both these teams are going to improve um, because you do have a sprinkling of uh, NRL talent in a predominantly Super League England lineup. Um, and I think you saw, you know, uh, I thought Harry Smith and Mickey Lewis were fantastic as well. So I think, um, yeah, and uh, Toby King, did he score that first try? Was it King who scored the first try? Um But I, I thought I thought their play, uh, England, was, was really quite impressive. So... Um, yeah, look, I'd say that uh, uh, I could it could go either way, and I think I think that that really suits. So definitely a quality game of rugby league uh, as well. Like you know, it was kind of very high quality as well. So I think you know the uh, the error count, uh, and hopefully I'm not wrong in terms of the errors. It didn't seem like that many errors. Like it was, certainly wasn't. Oh, nine errors each. So um, it's pretty good. Know, compared, yeah, that's right. That's like that's like you know, 10 minutes for the Fijians to rack up nine, right? So, <laughs> so, so it was kind of, it was kind of, uh, yeah, it kind of shows you that there is a, uh, is a thing. So I mean, it's kind of interesting, you know, last year we were talking about how Samoa were, uh, you know, sort of the, the next, the next big team and then Tonga mm. sort of dropping a little bit, but you can kind of see they're right back up there, aren't they, the Tongans? So, um, it's going to make for obviously a very interesting uh, World Cup, you know, as these teams are sort of, they all are talking about the World Cup as well. You know, this is what we need to do for the World Cup, blah, blah, blah. So you kind of feel like uh, this next World Cup is going to be tremendous uh, because I think all of, all the nations are, uh, are focused on what they need to do now to try and win it then. So I think these test matches, they're all great. They're all great tournaments. But I think really what everybody's trying to do is trying to get their their lineup absolutely perfect for the next World Cup. Absolutely. All right. Well, that's the review of all the games. Took a while, but let's move into <laughs> yeah. the previews. So, tackle number two, we're going to preview the week three uh, men's games. Here we go. 
So the first one is the kangaroos and the kiwis. Uh, it's being played in Amy Park in Melbourne uh, on Saturday evening. Um, you know, it's, uh, without going through the teams again, I think there's not too many major changes. Although, uh, actually, in this, for the Australian lineup, we've got Jake Trebojevic, Thomas Flegler, and Valentine Holmes coming back in uh, to the squad. So that will be interesting. But you know. With the Kiwis just coming off a 50-0 win, really impressing so far. It, I think there is, uh, this is the moment for New Zealand to kind of, um, you know, <clears throat> stamp their authority over Australia. Revenge for last year's World Cup. Um, you know, there is the the high likelihood that there will be, well, almost guaranteed that they will uh, play each other in the final in the following week. So um, I, I believe that's the case. Let me just double-check if that is the case in terms of um, the the draw. But, look, Tish, what are your thoughts? Uh, you know, first up, based on what you've seen, kangaroos, kiwis, what do you reckon? Yeah, well, look, uh, look I'm going to give it to Australia. Um, but you're right, because they are going to play in the final next week, um, because uh, Samoa cannot mathematically make it because they haven't won any games. Um and these two have both won one, so just gotta like you know, gotta think. So, uh, so this game is going to be interesting. It's almost like a throwaway game. So I don't know how either teams are going to approach it, but I just feel like with Australia, they um, they seem to be more on a rotation, give everybody a guy, next next man up type sort of philosophy. You know, Nick got Nico Hines debuting, so you know, you know, Big Mal's trying to think about all the different options he's he's trying to put together. Um, so I feel like the Australians are kind of a bit more relaxed about this game. Obviously, they had the week off too. Um, so uh, also, I think we'll play in their favour. Um, and I think New Zealand will probably be, bring their intensity, but I just wonder how they're going to react to the whole idea of, well, yes, we're going to do the haka. Yes, we're going to get fired up. Yes, this is about pride. Yes, this is about revenge. But it means it doesn't mean a lot for this tournament. And this game is being played in Melbourne. The following week, the game is in New Zealand at Hamilton. Um you know, so I think yeah. from that point of view, I'll, you know, I don't know how Michael McGuire would think about this game, but what I would be sort of tempted to do if I was in his shoes is just, you know, hey, this is, hey, look, we, we know we're making it to the finals. We won 50 nil. We want to keep the momentum up, but we don't want to injure ourselves or, or necessarily give away the way we have figured out how to, yeah. So let's, let's, uh, let's try to, um, you know, experiment rather than execute, if that makes sense. I think that's where they're going to go. But I think with Australia, I think they're all about like, you know, hey, we're the Aussies, we we, we dominate. They've got, it's like the Harlem Globetrotters type thing where they just kind of always win, right? So they just, I think they've got that. So, and I think this is one of these games where when it's a kind of a throwaway, I think the Australians, they just sort of turn up and just expect to win and they end up winning, right? So, so it's basically, I think I think that's where I see it. Uh, yeah, very hard game to read based on the fact that these two are going to play the finals next week. So, yeah. Absolutely. All right. So the uh, second game is between, uh, is between PNG and Fiji. The Kumuls playing the Bati. Um, you know, the, in terms of the standings, um, let me just have a look. What are the standings at the moment? We've got um, both of them with one game as well. Both of them with one game, but just based on for and against, obviously the Kumuls ahead. So really doesn't yeah. matter because both these teams are going to be in the final in the following week anyway. 
So this is a chance yeah. to kind of, I think, for the Bati really to kind of demonstrate that they that what happened against the Cook Islands was just an anomaly. Um, mm. And so they really need to kind of um, step up, really. Um, now, the difference is PNG will be having a few players coming in that um, will add some spark. Kevin Alpo, Wellington Albert, and a couple others are there as well. Um, Bati, as you said, there, there are some players coming in, but none of them are real game breakers. And so this is going to be a bit of an issue for at the moment for Fiji, I think um, you know they need to snap out of Fiji time and uh, and get onto it. And yeah. I think the only way they're really going to win this one is if they get on the front foot because I think Kumuls with the home crowd behind them will be very hard to beat. What about you, Tish? Yeah, well, look, uh, I think you know the the, the Kumuls were super impressive in their first game. You know, obviously with the forty point uh, victory there, but. If you actually look at the PM, I had the PM elite game, which is pretty much the same. So they've actually been together for a while. And I think the, just having that extra game in their belt, kind of when the Colons to play them, they kind of felt, you know, they, they kind of felt the brunt of that. Now you've had the Cook Islands play a lot better against Fiji, and uh, who are playing their first game. Now Fiji are now playing their second game. So I do expect them to be better. I think they should expect themselves to be better as well. Um, but I think they really need to, uh, again, right, test themselves. I think this is a bit different to the first game where I think that because Fiji had such a low percentage rate, just because they had so much drop ball, uh, just because they really didn't show that much in attack. And really, if you look at most of their tries, it was it was based upon individual, uh, you know, a lot of it was individual uh, magic with maybe a couple of good passes here or there. Not really like you know a set where you you know you get on the front foot and then you sort of you know put a play on it. It was nothing like that at all. So I think they need to. I, th- I think they would really need to step up from that point of view. Um, what uh, I think I think I think the big difference here is Lachlan Lamb uh, and Kyle Leibert. Um and even Alex Johnston. You can throw that as well. They've got three players in their spine there that. Um, you know, uh, are, are good. I mean, Alex Johnson is a great winger, but I think he knows the fullback position really well. Um, and then, mm. so they're going to bring a lot of structure to their play. And I think, you know, so it's not just going to be a PNG team that could hit hard, that could score for, for great tries, but they're also a team that I think are going to be pretty organized. You know, they'll understand, like, I think Lachlan Lamb is good at sort of understanding this, where we are you know, on the field, where we are in the situation of the game, and this is what our team needs to do now. We don't need to, you know, here's the time to attack. Here's the time to sort of, you know, just just sort of, you know, get into the arm wrestle. You know, here's a time we really need to put it on. I think I think they, they, they're better at understanding that than the Fijians. Um, so that's why I kind of give the edge to, to PNG, which is, you know, a few years ago, I felt it was going the other way. I felt like that that the Fijians were getting better. The body were getting better at being more better game organisers. But I think with, you know, the new turnover, the new generation body, this is almost like, I feel like, um, you know, it's going to take a while for them to sort of get back into that mode. Where I think PNG kind of uh, are improving those areas and, yeah, who, kn- who knows? We're still a, while, a few years away from But, yeah, look, I think the PNG for this game specifically. How about you, Dr. T? Yeah, it's it's a difficult I'm going to hold my re- hold my thoughts. Look, I think PNG deserve to be favourites, I think. Um, but I'll, I'll consider and wait until we get to the tips. But, look, let's move on 
to tackle number three, we're going to preview the women's match, Australia versus New Zealand. Here we go. Jillaroos versus the Kiwi Ferns are playing as the precursor to the men's ma same matchup, Australia New Zealand, on Saturday, 28th of October at Amy Park. Um, you know, I think well, at the moment, because of the uh, the points difference, the Kiwi Ferns are are ahead. There are some changes to both teams from the last hit out. Um, the key ones, I think, for the Australians is. Um, Caitlin Johnson and Julie Robinson are out and in their place, I think, uh, well, several players, but two of the main ones that, that we recognise are Tegan Berry and Yasmin Clydesdale. For the New Zealanders, they have Amelia Pasakala is out and uh, in her place, uh, I think Ashley Quinlan comes in a couple of others. But look, um, you know, the, both teams, I think, are you know considered best in the world. I think... Australia, despite the fact that on the standings or in the ladder at the moment they're coming second, I think I think the expectation in my mind would be that the Jillaroos uh, have just too much strength and firepower. But you know you can never you can never rule out a New Zealand team, and especially when they're playing against Australia, and in Melbourne as well, which is not really a home game for the New Zealanders, but it feels like it a little bit, even though it's in yeah. Melbourne. But um. But, yeah, I think it'll be a very close game and uh, similar to, I think, the men's game. But I think this one is where the Jillaroos, uh, I, I would expect them to have a bit of a stronger chance here than, say, the men's team does, will against the Kiwis. So, Tish, what are your thoughts? Yeah, look, uh, yeah, I think this is going to be a tight game once again. It was, uh, I think it was only 16 points to Ted the previous time these teams played. I think New Zealand, uh, as they get more and more into the tournament, more and more games under their belt, I feel like they're getting stronger and stronger, whereas, you know, the uh, the, the Jillaroos had a bit of a break. Uh, but I think the break is actually what's going to give them the victory. Um, so I think just having that extra week off is probably going to, to help them. And... Um, yeah, so I think it's going to be a, t a cl tight contest with the Jilluru's victory, and uh, it will be interesting because, again, this is probably the the grand final next week too, right? <laughs> so, um, or, or is this the grand final of the winner? No, no, final? no, this is the precursor. No, the, the final will be the following week. Yep, which I think is the same two teams again. So, uh, yeah, so... <laughs> So, um, yeah. So, uh, like you know, it's like it's like a complete a complete list of dead rubbers uh, in the Australian internationals this year, <laughs> this week. It's like all the teams are going to play each other next week, right? Absolutely. And the other thing that's really odd is that this is the only game being played in the women's this week, whereas you have, um, you know. The stand. Let me have a look at the standings for the men and women. So they, they won't all have played a game, which is really odd, um, or or two games, which is what you would expect. So very strange how they've organised this in the women's side of the tournament. So yeah. Anyway, enough of that. Let's move on to let's move on to the next tackle. We're going to preview game two of England and Tonga. 
officially the the teams have not been announced yet. So this is the same thing that happened last time. But what I can say is that the next game will be on Sunday, the 29th of October, um, Sydney time. It will be 12, 12.30 a.m. So, you know, reasonable for those who want to stay up after a big night out on Saturday to, you know, sit back and watch, uh, you know, is it on KO most likely? Hopefully you'll be able to watch it on KO if you're in Australia. England v Tonga, it was close last time around. Like I said, you know, reversal of roles. Tonga seemed to be more the more clinical and England actually showed a little bit more creativity in that game, which is very interesting. Maybe it shows a bit of the changing of the guard in terms of what um, each of those nations, what each of those teams is aiming for. Um, you know, Tonga aiming for, you know, being accepted as part of the one of the T1 nations, trying to be more clinical and... Um, you know, get the fundamentals right versus England, who I think have tried very hard but have not succeeded at the major tournament levels and certainly failed last year to make the final, which was which is a big, um, yeah, bit, bit of a dent in their enthusiasm and in their in their um, ego, I think. But look, <clears throat> I'm thinking that um, you know, Tonga, look, were it not for a little bit of luck on their side, all they need is to kind of up their creativity a bit. And I think they actually have a chance of taking out this second test, um, causing a bit of an upset, but not so much. If you are a follower of Tonga in the last few years, you'll see that they've always been thereabouts. Um, they need, what they need to put together is discipline plus creativity. That's where the challenge is for them. I think they got the discipline right in game one, but I think this is all about bringing the other piece together, which is what we're used to seeing a lot of South Pacific nations, which is that creativity, that kind of never-say-die attitude and passion. If they can bring both these together, they will win against England, and that's my prediction. What about you, Tish? Yeah, well, look, uh, I'm just sort of uh, having a look at what's sort of happening over in England, and I think because, look, it was such a close game, and I think there is, there are, like, you know, it's, it's going to be the little things, and I think, again, it's going to be the same way. Um, but, look, you know, the Tongan boss, Christian Wolf, he did say that uh, England deserved to win the game um, and he put it down into the ruck speed uh, being a little bit better. He did uh, think there was some of the decisions around the ruck speed. He did question the, you know, the the referee for that game type thing. So you can see he's definitely figuring out where the where they need to make the changes. Over on the England camp, um, you know, they've... Uh, They've sort of cleared up the confusion around the, who who is going to be captain. Jack Willsby um, is going to be the captain because I think he was, you know, sort of, you know, he was the standing captain last week, and I think uh, they might have had a couple of um, George is my captain, but Jack will captain next week. So yeah, so uh, after George finishes his band, so I don't know which George is talking about. Uh, George Williams, George uh, Michaels, uh, you know, King George. I'm not sure which George, but. Um, but George is their captain, but won't captain this week. It'll be Jack. So, you know, so, so Captain Jack, uh, Welsh. Um, you know, why is he playing for England when he's Welsh? But, you know, well, Wellesby, sorry. So, look, um, so, 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 look, I'm going to predict the same scoreline 22 18, but it's going to be Tonga this time taking it out because I think that's how close these two teams are. And um, and I think Tonga, are, I think I, I'm confident to say that Tonga will definitely be better than the week before. And uh, whereas I think with 
England, I'm not 100% sure they will be. Um, but uh, I expect them to also learn a lot from that last game. Um, but you sometimes learn more when you lose than when you win, right? So, uh, you know, uh, that's why the most educated people sometimes are the biggest. Anyway, we won't go into that. But, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah so let's move on. Say, let's move on. Yeah, let's see. Here we go. Yeah, all right. Well, we got tackle number five. We're going to actually talk about Mal Meningo. Here we go. Well, we are October 24th at the moment, and on November 1 this year, Mal Meninga's contract as the coach of the Kangaroos will expire. Yeah. So, you know, excellent timing there, which means <laughs> if they make the final or not of this Pacific Cup, officially Australia will not have a coach employed to take them into that Pacific Cup. So that's very unusual. I'm sure they'll get an extension sorted out. But the RRL Rugby, the, the Australian Rugby League Commission is still in negotiations to extend the contract. I mean, guys, we've got one week to go and you still haven't sorted out if poor old Mal is going to be there. Um, it's absolutely ridiculous. But, um, yeah, look, they really need to get their back office kind of sort of things sorted out there with the ARL. It's a very, very disappointing that this is still up in the air and hasn't been decided already. Um, but, yeah, he's uh, obviously, uh, you know, there's been others like Peter Valandis, the chairman of the ARL Commission, has publicly stated, I would love for him to go on, absolutely. The coach of the Australian team is a decision for the commission. He says, we have some time to make a decision, but we'll get it done sooner rather than later. Here's the full package for us, so we would absolutely hope he goes on. Um message to the commission you've only got like a week <laughs> so you know yeah. sooner rather than later is literally days so ridiculous i think that this is even a news item but look we thought we'd point it out to all you fans out there to just realize how um yeah how poorly run rugby league is <laughs> what's your view on that Tish? <laughs> yeah I, th I think that so too it's kind of it's kind of crazy that um yeah as, as you said like um you know they'll make the final uh, we already know that. And as things stand now, um, the coach's contract would already be over uh, by the time the get, game goes around. So we're going to have to pay Mel Meninga cash in hand uh, to, <laughs> to coach. And, um, you know, I think, I think I, look, look, I know Mel Meninga wants the job. He said, he, I think he's something like, you know, like uh, he's too old to, to be an NRL coach. Um, you know, so that also implies that he kind of sees himself not doing this for that long as well, but he absolutely loves it. Um, you know, uh, the great thing about Mal Meninga is he also, uh, look, I think green must be his favorite color, right? Cause he obviously wore green as a, as a Raider, but you know, he's, you know, if you look at the news footage, he's got the green hat on, <laughs> you know, the green, the green shorts on, you know, it is sixties other years <laughs> and the green, uh, raincoat jacket, at all times when he's coaching, right? So, um, you know, so, so you know, I think he's a real players coach. I, I'll tell you like that, you know, just sort of likes to get in there, gets excited, um, you know, and I think he, you know, he's big on sort of the passion and everything. So I think he's a great type of coach for the Aussies and, uh, you know, I would love to see him sort of keep that uh, job, you, you know. So, so it looks like, 
they want to do it. He wants to do it. Let's the, let, let's make it happen. It is. I've got to say, like, it is uh, uh, somewhat of a. I think the challenge is, is that, like, how do you keep yourself interested in this job, right? Because uh, the kangaroos literally win everything all the time, right? So, um, so, so, but I think maybe that's where Malmeninga, who's sort of so focused on international kangaroos footy, I don't think he wants Australia to take the the foot off the pedal, right? And you saw that in his uh, legacy as Queensland coach too. So let's hope they just do it. I mean, um, you know, I don't know if there's any other candidates. I mean, who who do we put like Brad Fittler? I don't know, you know. But um, well, he's unemployed we, at the moment, so yeah, you never know. <laughs> you never know, you never know. But like, I don't think there's anybody else. I mean, and PVL, uh, you know, he seems like uh, you know he seems keen to make it happen. Uh, maybe you know it is the racing carnival, like the spring racing carnivals in 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 New South Wales and and Victoria. And I know he's got a role in racing New South Wales, so don't know if he's sort of focused on the other job where he hasn't got around to that email to uh, you know to sort of proofread the new contract for Malmeninga, you know, and uh, maybe that's what <laughs> maybe, maybe there's a administration delay there that's that's sort of inconvenient. But again, I think note to the. Uh, you know, to to uh, to you know the Australian kangaroos, um, don't have your contract expire in November. I mean, I think I feel like January is perfect because you're never going to play rugby league in January, are you? So, like, like you know, maybe get them finished in December, January, something like that. I think those are the two months that you definitely sure. Why why November? You know the World Cup is going to finish in November too, right? So, yeah, that, that to me doesn't make sense. So, yeah. All right. Um, let is, let's finish off with tackle number six. The tips where we predict uh, yeah, week three of the Pacific Championships and the test match. Here we go. So last week we had five games. I predicted all five correct, and Tishy got three out of five, which means I think for the first time in a long time this season, I have now overtaken you in the tipping, 141, and oh, for me, wow. 142. So look, looking forward to ruining that uh, this weekend. <laughs> We've got four games lined up, two, two men's, one women in the Pacific, and then the international test. Australia versus New Zealand. Put your money where your mouth is, Tish. Australia or New Zealand in the men's kangaroos or Kiwis. Who are you tipping? I come from land down under. Go the Aussies. All right. I am actually tipping an upset. I'm tipping the New Zealand Kiwis to do it this weekend. BG versus PNG. I'm tipping PNG to get their act together. Sorry, I'm sorry. sorry. Let me say that again. Fiji. To get their act together this time and upset PNG. Yeah, I I, I kind of see this happening too. So I'm go, I'm with you on this one, and uh, it's going to be hard for me not to tip Fiji. So Fiji for me. All right, in the women's Australia versus New Zealand. Um, look, Australia I think would be favoured ever so slightly, but I'm actually going to tip New Zealand for this one. Yeah, look, I think uh, look, I think uh, this is going to be a tight one, but look, um, I think. Uh, you know, new New Zealand Prime Minister, a bit of instability. I'm going to tip uh, Australia. And finally, uh, England versus Tonga. Um, look, this is a tough one. I think 
like I said, I think it's Tonga's time to get get it all together, and uh, I think they would take a lot of confidence from game one. So Tonga, for me, would uh, cause an upset. Yeah, look, King Charles the Third or King Tupu the Sixth or Seventh, Sixth. I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna pick King Tupu's team. So go Tonga. All right, is this the first time we've had two kingdoms versus each other? In, oh, I suppose we haven't, right? But no, no. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, in a test match series like this, yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, well, these two anyway. Well, that's it. That is the podcast. We've gone through a lot. Pacific Championships, you know, it feels like we're not really winding down. Um, we've still got a, you know, a couple of games to go on all fronts, uh, women's, men's, and the uh, England and Tonga test match. Looking forward to it, Tish. Um, it's been a big one. Over to you to wrap this one up. Well, thank you, Dr. T. I'd like to thank everybody for listening, but that's all the time that we have for this edition of the Rugby League Republic. We're your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. Join us next time on the Rugby League Republic. Bye for now.